0: Hi, this is Sedge Thompson. Welcome to this special audio highlights podcast from West Coast Live. For more information about our shows and other guests and podcasts, WCL.org. My next guests here on West Coast Live have written a compelling novel of the sea of piracy, a young man growing up. The novel is called Wake of the Perdido Star. The authors are the underwater archaeologist and novelist. Daniel Lenahan, he works for the National Park Service and explores the cultural resources underwater, uh, sunken ships mostly. And Gene Hackman, actor, uh, Academy Award winner for his roles in in uh, The French Connection. You've also seen him in The Conversation, State of Siege, The Unforgiven, Get Shorty, uh, Night Moves, I think some 90 movies. I realize I've seen probably about 32 of them. It's a lot of time to spend with an actor too, I guess, 64 hours. So for the next uh, bit here, will you please welcome Daniel Linehan and Gene Hackman, authors of Wake of Perdido Star. (laughs) Thank you both very much for... For coming in. I understand that the two of you are neighbors in New Mexico, and this all started over a lunch as a joke?
1: Yeah, I hope it wasn't a joke, but it would definitely started over lunch. <coughs> and um, we uh, decided that we would go ahead and try to um, emulate some of the great sea authors of the past. There was some, uh, it, was, it was a kind of a genre of book that we thought we might enjoy reading, and we thought we'd take a shot at writing one.
0: And your background as an underwater archaeologist, I mean, you're familiar with boats that have sunk.
1: Yeah, I'm more uh, familiar with um, dead ships than live ones. And Gene kind of is more in the uh, the area of the
0: live ones. What uh, What was your introduction to the sea? Um,
2: as a young man, I I, uh, I was in the Marine Corps uh, and was aboard ship uh, off the coast of uh, Japan in, in a typhoon. And um, that was exciting. I think probably that, that really stuck with me. I, I've, always, uh, <laughs> I've always been fascinated by the, by the sea and the power of it and the, uh, and the majesty.
0: A typhoon, I gather there must have been some fear at that time, too. Uh,
2: well, I was 16, so I was kind of fearless in those days. Um, yeah, the, of, of course. But there was a sense of, uh, of being aboard this this ship that I thought was unsinkable, and there was all this this uh, violence going on uh, uh, around me, and um, I was I was thrilled.
0: You know, your your hero in your book, Jack, is seventeen. He sort of matures from seventeen to twenty over the course of the book, and there is a scene with a typhoon in there. And he also, of course, since he survives, is exhilarated by the experience.
2: That's exactly. Um, I suppose it wouldn't affect everyone the same way, but we we've chosen to uh, to make this y- young man a little bit different.
0: How did you, the two of you, work together? Uh, what was the process?
1: Well, it's kind of interesting process. The um, uh, Gene ha- hath not the gift of the computer and typing, but so um,
0: it's a very gentle way. Of...
1: <laughs> but he uh, he's pretty good with a pen and longhand. And uh, so I, uh, well, he would um, he would write in longhand. and had a stack of um, spiral-bound books about a half a foot tall, and and then eventually uh, Betsy would, his wife would, type those on to first an electric typewriter, and then we decided maybe we take it a step further because, uh, <laughs> and pretty soon we we're passing disks back and forth.
0: But when you would when you would get together, I mean, how did you how did you decide what would be in and what would be out? What was working? What wasn't?
1: Well, we would um, most of the time we would uh, we'd have a fair amount of convergence and what we fair amount of agreement. And if there were, um, uh, and if, the, if there wasn't agreement, well, why then we'd argue. And um, <laughs> it, it would um, they'd want to close off that part of the uh, Cloudcliff um, uh, restaurant and, uh, <laughs> until we had settled our differences in a very uh, rational and uh, uh, mature manner.
0: That's your take on how it went? Uh,
2: yeah, uh, pretty, pretty much. Uh, <clears throat> we got along all right. Uh, we, uh, we disagreed about uh, a variety of things that uh, uh, we solved by, uh, if they were Dan's idea, uh, since my wife was doing most of the collating uh, of, the, of the book, uh, we would just ease some of those things out. <laughs> I, I don't think he was ever aware of it, though. Uh, <laughs> He had a full-time job he's writing at night, so uh, he, he was pretty tired. We,
0: we slipped a few by him. One of, one of the things that uh, you seem to have, uh, I mean, in common is this interest of the sea, but also things in, in underwater, and, and, and I wonder if when you were making Crimson Tide, you would go over and, and talk with Daniel about underwater submarines, because he's been involved in chronicling the Hunley, the first Confederate submarine that, that actually sank after it killed the Cousatonic.
2: Yes, I I think we actually did um, uh, speak about that. Uh, uh, That was prior to uh, our our starting this novel. But Dan has uh, extensive experience in um, um, sunken
0: ships. Have you uh, ever gotten stuck under the water?
1: (laughs) It can be taken a number of different ways. I suppose that... um, uh, I've been stuck in caves and in shipwrecks for small periods of time that uh, felt like very long periods of time, and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a serious environment, and but um, it's also a beautiful environment. in Some ways, I'm a lot more comfortable inside a shipwreck diving than I am, uh, you know, for instance, sitting in a coffee house and I'm talking to two hundred people.
0: <laughs> and these are the only ones you can see. I know. <laughs> You know, we'll go around the corner, and there'll be a giant eel coming out. You know, at your, that'd be much better. That'd be much better. Yeah. There was a uh, there. There's a, a a scene that involves the creation of a of a diving bell when uh, yes. the the men aboard the Perdido Star have to rescue some items. And uh, this was this scene particularly inspired. And I wondered if this was from your archaeological heritage or uh, your imagination.
1: Yes. Well, I've I've always been interested in the. Um, uh, Concept, the concept, the old concepts of the diving bell. And uh, you know, the people for hundreds of years had been venturing underwater by simply inverting casks or inverting something that would hold air, pushing it down and then going up inside of it, taking breaths and, you know, and, and then going ahead. Now, there was not, and it was a very probable, very possible sort of thing that these folks do in the story. and. Uh, uh, the, what happens though is when you do that if you think about it for a moment if you take an object, you invert it and you push it down like if, you, if you, a glass in a sink and you had something in there that you wanted to be dry it would come out dry but you also compress that air. Point of all that is what they were finding is when they were diving down and into that bell or into that makeshift bell they were then breathing compressed air just like it was from a scuba tank so it was giving them all these maladies and they, they couldn't understand why
0: So the the biochemistry, the biology lessons hadn't caught up with the practice.
1: Right. When we have them, that is part of the research, was knowing how much they could have known at the time. They were wrestling with those issues. You know, why is it that uh, we're having these problems? Why are are people coming up with rheumatism? You know, and uh, why are some people being drugged to the surface and they're having a bloody froth at the nose? What's happening here?
0: And you would find this in literature of the time, medical accounts, diaries...
1: Yes, we well uh, uh, correct, and also, uh, but a lot was knowing what they could have understood. For instance, uh, they reference in here uh, the the erudite Paul Lemere, the, the 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 one of the chief uh, our chief characters, is is aware of the writings of um, of Priestley and Lavoisier, and he knows that there's. There's something, there's something in air, <clears throat> maybe oxygen. It's something they used to call deflogisticated air. There's a word for it.
0: De-phlogisticated? de-phlogisticated? It means the
1: stuff would burn. And uh, so they knew there were different components to air, and they were trying to figure out and out there what was hurting their people. It makes for an interesting kind of a, a, a physical and also an intellectual kind of, uh, kind of a dynamic.
0: I'd like to hear a bit in, in your voice here of, from the book here about the diving bell.
1: You have to have... Uh, the benefit of my putting my glasses on here.
0: This is Daniel Lanahan, along with uh, Gene Hackman, wrote, Wake of the Perdido Star.
1: I'd say, but by the way, I was, when I was in the South Seas working, doing underwater archaeology, I had the pleasure of speaking to people of status there, natives that were known as high-talking chiefs, and they called me the, my staff called me the low-mumbling chief, so that might give you a... <clears throat>
0: the low-mumbling chief?
1: The low-mumbling chief, so... My debut. No one manned the wheel. It spun lazily, as if detached. Then Jack realized that, in fact, it was. The pinnels were sprung from the gudgeons, and the rudder had become unshipped. My God, thought Jack, we're sitting in this pond like a toy boat. Quince bellied up to the starboard rail and stared into the blackness. In a voice full of dread, knowing he was the only one capable of command, he addressed the crew. Quickly do what you can for the ship, lads, then lash yourself to the pulpit. Around the main, foremast and pray, for we are surely in the eye of the typhoon.
0: And now, should we go to the gentleman who's been in the eye of the typhoon?
1: No, we're going to keep on with me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll let you know when that <laughs>
0: There's been a little rewriting behind the scenes, I can tell here.
1: Jack secured Paul onto the pulpit surrounding the main mast, jamming in the belaying pins upside down so the quick pull down would release the line he had secured around both of them. Then he sat quietly against the wood as sailors all around him tied themselves to mast stanchions, and cannon. Talk was scarce as the sailors prepared. Quince took one last survey of the ship and tied himself in. The winds started to pick up. Debris from the wreckage over the side pulled the ship to port, but the winds and sea were pushing back to starboard. And it was in this pattern that the typhoon found the Perdido Star. She was helpless in the heavy seas. The sea water came over the bow in housefuls. It hit the quarter deck, then burst upon sailors on the main deck, all tethered in their spots, helpless to ward off the tons of water. Jack could hear screams as the men gasped for air and prepared themselves for the next wave. The relentless pounding loosened some of the timbers, and the noise of the waves were counted by the sound of the parting of the ship's main cross members. She was beginning to break up.
2: Waves struck the cabin on the quarterdeck, sounding to Jack like the felling of trees. Tons of water rushed into her companionway hatch. Spilling into what was once the captain's cabin. The water would shoot over Jack and Paul's heads, slam against the quarterdeck bulkhead, and disappear into the cabin area. As the star pitched again, it would dump the water, along with the debris from the aft cabin, back on deck. The returning water lashed against the new wave coming over the bow, meeting in the middle of the main deck, where the sailors were struggling for life. Jack now thought that strapping in was not such a good idea. He could barely catch his breath between waves. Looking about him, he could see some of the mates were struggling mightily to keep from drowning. At one point, between waves, Jack raised his head above the pulpit stanchion to look aft. When he heard a loud shout, Jack, above, a spar in the tangle of lines came screaming down in a large arc toward the pulpit, crashing just inches above Jack's head. Concussion alone was enough to deafen him, and he pulled Paul down with him. They were shaken but unhurt, as yet another wave washed over them. Sputtering, Jack looked to where the warning had come from. There lay the drowned body of Cookie II. He had repaid his debt.
0: Gene Hackman and Daniel Lenahan reading from Wake of the Perdido Star, and a novel of shipwrecks, Pirates in the Sea. The, um, the title has kind of a double meaning, too in the wake, behind the boat, and a wake um, memorial service for the people who were in it and, and other people who died. And, 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 it, and it, it shows us, I mean, really how treacherous travel was I mean, in the 19th century.
1: Yeah, I think we see in the title, The Wake of the Perdido Star, it has a number of meanings, a number of metaphors, and possibly it's what follows in the wake of Jack's journey. Uh, Jack O'Reilly, the um, our chief character, and his uh, uh, in, in what becomes you know a simple sea voyage to Cuba, then becomes uh, essentially a, uh, a quest, and uh, uh, the story arc ends up in a, a great dynamic of, uh, of um, revenge and, and uh, s- seeking revenge, and then perhaps uh, seeking something uh, more than that that uh, is more fulfilling and more satisfying, and. I won't say more about it except that's where it heads.
0: Could you uh could you hear Gene's voice while you were writing the book, your parts too?
1: It's an interesting thought. No um it, it, he <laughs> sometimes Gene would actually read the uh, his parts and uh, he said it was uh in defense of his uh, Writing, he said, I'm going to read this, and uh, I figured he'd slip it by, if he, you know, because he has this powerful, uh, you know, voice. But uh, he he didn't need, need to do that because um, actually the writing I th- I was quite strong. I must admit. I mean, Gene's writing.
0: It moves along in a very uh, contemporary way. It's it's a it's a 19th century sailing story like like Moby Dick, but it's structured uh, like a contemporary novel. I mean, the the chapters are, are relatively short. It moves ahead. The scenes move quickly. There's a lot of action that goes on throughout it.
2: We wanted it to be um, as uh, fashionable as possible without losing a, a sense of the, the archaic uh, quality also. Um, and we, we tried very hard to, um, to write in a similar style. And with some exceptions, people uh, find it somewhat seamless. Um, uh, our agent, our literary agent, uh, knows the difference between where my writing stops and Dan starts. But other than that, uh, most people um, uh, find it fairly seamless. It was an interesting process to to write with somebody because we never actually sat down and and wrote together. We would exchange pages, and as Dan said many times, I wanted to read mine, (laughs) Uh, hoping that I could sell something there.
0: Well, we we all know how actors can often make a script come alive, too.
2: Yeah, you 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 also. It's uh, for me. It was great to to be able to uh, to hear it here in my own voice. And and uh, many times it didn't work, and uh, we would go back and and redo it.
0: I was interested that you hung out a lot with your grandfather, who ran a small newspaper as a boy. And and uh, is that a sort of place where type was still set by hand? And you can hear the sound of the type being set even now.
2: Uh, yes. A matter of fact, my my father was a pressman and worked up in the um, in the uh, the part of the, the, I forget what it's called now, uh, the, the newspaper where they set uh, type many times and he, because he would do the, uh, the layout and then take it down into the press room. Uh, my, my grandfather and uncle worked in the same newspaper also, and, and uh, I loved hanging out uh, with my grandfather uh, when he would go to court or go to the police station and, uh, and uh, interview some of the people who'd been involved in various things in this small town. So it was a good uh, uh, early life for me.
0: How old a boy were you doing that? Oh, probably 14. Did he ever, like, send you out of the room? Uh, I don't want you, Sonny, to be hearing this. Uh, he, he would
2: do that if, if something was uh, maybe too risque. Or, uh, but he was, he was also a, uh, a deputy coroner, uh, which meant that, that if somebody was accidentally uh, killed or died without a doctor present, that uh, he had to go if the coroner uh, in, the, in the county there wasn't available. And I was with him uh, a couple of times when uh, when he actually had to go out and examine <laughs> bodies, and and I was only fourteen, and it was uh, it was pretty horrific, you know. It, it uh, was
0: sobering. The the scenes of death in this book are fairly authentic.
2: Yeah, we tried to. Uh, I I tried to to uh, uh, get some of my earlier experiences in, in that line, how um, how that would affect a young man. And um, a lot of that comes from the time that I was with my grandfather.
0: You both live in New Mexico, your next door neighbors. That's kind of far from the sea. <laughs> Is it? <laughs>
1: yeah, you, know, that's a... I mean,
0: you don't smell the salt air. <laughs>
1: yeah, that uh, hadn't occurred to us before. Oh, come on. <laughs> Actually, I think it's a great place to go for uh, inspiration. Isn't is Moses or someone like that? Was, was that the desert? <laughs> uh,
2: the interesting thing about living uh, where we live is uh, I actually live up in the mountains. Dan lives in the, in the flats. But uh, it, the, it's very ma- majestic, very similar to the sea in a lot of ways. There's a kind of grandeur about it. And, um, and then there's the anticipation of going to the sea,
0: which is always fun. The going away to the sea. Would you go seek out a storm nowadays to be in? I would. I would. Actually, I went to, to
2: Florida last year uh, with my wife because I heard there was a hurricane coming. <laughs> 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 and we sat in this uh, high rise uh, hotel there in Fort Lauderdale with, uh, it never got to be a full scale hurricane, but it was like 80, 90 mile an hour winds. And it was thrilling. <laughs> I mean, there I was
0: uh, aboard ship again, you know. Yeah. Um, High on the bridge?
2: Yes, high, very high on the bridge. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you, I would imagine, you'd want to uh, be far from the, uh, a storm yeah. doing your underwater archaeology work.
1: Well, I've spent a good part of my life seeing what uh, storms do to ships, and uh, it's made a fair impression on me. Uh, it's sometimes when we're hooked up with a uh, research vessel, a small one, it often park patrol boats, uh, over uh you know two three hundred foot ships that are mangled along the bottom and this you know, the sky is turning cloudy it uh, it wouldn't take take great active intellect to start making a uh, an analogy between us sitting up there and you know why are there so many ships in the bottom below us so.
0: one of the uh one of the catalogs of sunken ships um, that I come across that you that you worked on used the phrase we will we will mark the site of this ship." As it evolves into an archaeological site, at what point does does a sunken ship become an archaeological site
1: well that's a um, that's an interesting point, but you know I suppose at at the at the point that it starts becoming significant to um, uh, to heritage you know and that in something let's take a take a ship of the air like the uh, the space shuttle, probably the second it hit the water it was um in you know besides being the obvious you know a modern scene of a disaster,
0: the challenger you're talking
1: about yeah, I'm sorry, the challenger it in that sense, it was uh, almost from the moment it was there because of its what it did in history. it was uh, it had great story you and know, had great significance. In other cases, people draw arbitrary lines, but usually you know fifty hundred years it uh, I don't uh, look that much at the years. it's kind of what the what we know about particular points in the past. There are a lot of real blank spots in the past, the, the very near past, the kind of myopia we have, that um, some cases we know more about Phoenician ships than we do about ships of 300, 400 years old.
0: What's the, what's the most interesting thing you've learned from your buddy here? You know, from the, the um, ship's history, sailing. I mean, this book is filled with research on, on the food, what people ate, uh, Paul Lemaire, uh, is is citing scientific and literary thought of the time I mean, there must have been you know something where you you looked at this guy over here and you said Wow you know i 'm glad you're in my life in some way <laughs> uh
2: dan is uh is a real inspiration for anyone who's uh who loves the sea like I do and my wife uh we uh we, we're total neophytes at um at the archaeological finds. Until we met Dan, and and he's been kind enough to take us on a, a few dives. Where um, one dive in particular in Port uh, Jefferson off of Key West, um, where it, the this shipwreck had only been uh, dove, I think uh, maybe twice before, and had been was a recent find. And Dan has great respect for the um, for the sea and and for what uh, what we would call us, uh, the great unwashed out here, uh, treasure. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a very curious person and I touch everything and so uh, Dan has taught me to, to look but uh, don't touch and if it's a, it's a gold doubloon or something not to put it in the trunks of my uh, uh,
0: swimming shorts and
2: <clears throat> to leave it alone let other people enjoy it, let somebody else pick it up I guess.
0: When did you first become uh, aware of Gene and his work?
1: Well, I first became aware of his work, I suppose, uh, uh, with the French connection. Uh, And I think it made a real connection, as it were, to me, because I grew up in New York City on the Lower East Side. And I can still remember a scene in there uh, in which he was um, stamping his feet, holding a coffee cup in his hand, fighting the cold while this... Um, the people he was hunting, the French fellows, w- were rich fellows, were sitting inside having escargot, and that hit such a chord with me that, 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 that the times I'd waited for buses or uh, the uh, it just seemed so darn realistic. I mean, it grabbed me. You know, uh, that was the first I was aware of Gene Hackman. I think.
0: And how the two of you meet?
1: It was overdiving. and in, in Santa Fe, uh, someone had referred Gene to uh, to me. When he was involved, becoming involved with a firm, uh, both uh, Gene and his wife Betsy are, are, are divers. Uh, have been divers and, and wanted to be more advanced divers at that point. We're going to Truck Lagoon to dive, and they came over and we got to know each other.
0: The um, the roles that you've you've had have just seemed to be increasingly rich over the years. There must be tremendous satisfaction for you, and.
2: Yes, I've I been very lucky in my career that I've uh, always been offered things that have been exciting. Um, with some exceptions. <laughs> uh, uh, but... Care to name one? Oh. Mm, March or die. A picture I did in, in Spain and in Africa, uh, which uh, kind of marched into eternity. Uh <laughs> A few pictures like that that I took for the location instead of for the script, and uh, <laughs> uh, those things always come back to haunt you. They, they, you end up paying more than than you, you were paid. Uh, but uh, generally speaking, uh, I, I, as I said, I've been very lucky, and, and uh, especially when I'm getting older now, that I'm, I'm offered things that are that are very
0: exciting. I thought Twilight with Susan Sarandon and Paul Newman was a uh, was especially a wonderful ensemble piece.
2: Thank you very much. It was enjoyable to, to work with uh, those people. Um, they were all very professional, and we had a good time on that.
0: And the, uh, it, which, which of your, what is it, it's been some more than 90 films, is, is one when you, you looked at the script and you said, I don't know, uh, but then somehow magically it, it sort of came together?
2: Well, I, I had turned down uh, Unforgiven, um, um, my agent uh, had sent it to me and said they want you to do this and, and I'd read it and I said well i, I this was a, a project that had been offered to me once before by Francis Coppola uh, at that time I think it was called the Cut Horror Killings and um, And when it was sent to me this time it was the William Money uh, killings and uh, I, I Don't know I there was something about it. I, I felt like I had already played that part somewhere Um uh, <laughs> In my head, I suppose, uh, but uh, I was talked into it, and as it turned out, it was uh, it was quite enjoyable uh,
0: film for me to do. And get shorty. I mean, did you call for more bandages? More bandages as you wrapped
2: up? Actually, they wanted me in a, a halo at one point. You, you know that uh, that, that upper, neck collar, the neck collar with the big and steel that. things, and we tried oh, with the points stuck into yes, the head. Yes, with the points <laughs> stuck in the head, and um, uh, we tried that, and I, I couldn't do the scene. I, I, mean, I I couldn't get out of the car. I couldn't walk up the thing, so we 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 ended up just with a neck brace. So, but Get Shorty was fun. I, I loved that. Uh, it was great working with John, and, and uh, uh,
0: we had a good time on that. Well, thank you both very much for uh, getting together and writing the book. I enjoyed it very much and learned a lot too during it.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you very much. So much for having us here,
0: Daniel Lenahan and Gene Hackman. Thank you very much for being here on West Coast Live. Thank you. Thank you very much. The book is published by New Market Press, Wake of the Perdido Star. This is Edge Thompson. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Try out others from West Coast Live right here, and we look forward to having you in one of our audiences one day. For more information, wcl.org.